State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something, to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help. With funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. There are plenty of features and ways of engaging in the world of NFTs that if you're waiting for things to get simpler, you're really just going to miss some incredible opportunities. And this message is not meant to be hyperbolic um, or to exaggerate the moment we're in. But the truth is we're in a moment. And, and by that moment, what I mean is there was a quote and I couldn't find the quote, but I'm going to give you the paraphrase of the quote. And it was talking about, you know, some years ago when the Internet was really in its um, it was in an upward trajectory. There was really no social media at the time, but more people were leaving things like the AOL CD that would come in the mail. And they were starting to use more things like Internet, driven, like like web based browsers, things like, you know, Google, Yahoo, um, um Ask Jeeves, InfoSeek, things like that. And so the point of this story, that was a long way to get to the point. But the point of this story, it, it talked about when the user interface becomes something fluent, easy to use. That's when tech can realize mass adoption. So here, let me break that down. This is important. We, by and large, as a community, do not embrace technologies, software, hardware that are complex to use because they're just complex. We want things to be simple. We believe inherently that technology is supposed to make things easier, it's supposed to make things more efficient. And so when technology does not make things more efficient, the user interface is complex and it's hard to learn and it's hard to navigate. We just don't gravitate towards it. The problem with that is, is you can miss an incredible opportunity to take advantage of a landscape that in the future 
more people will be trying to purchase land on if I can use a real estate parallel. And so today there's so much opportunity in the world of Web3, the metaverse, um, digital art and et cetera. And more people tomorrow will be coming when the unit when the user interface becomes more fluent more people will be trying to take advantage of something because it's easier to get in but today when it's difficult to get in only the people who were patient enough were in a mindset of a growth mindset and were in an opportunity where they said look i'm going to take the time to understand this i'm going to learn it i'm going to become proficient at it those are the people who get the opportunity for the land grab so if you think about a lot of the software companies that have, um, you know, come to proficiency over our, you know, the last decade or two. Think about like Facebook, the Twitters, the Googles, etc. The people who made the most money, those were the people who bet on them before anybody else really believed. They saw something. And so by the time you and I got an opportunity to bet on these companies, that's when they went public. But the money was already made with the first people in the early adopters, the early believers, when it was complex, when it was still hard and it was a little bit ugly and et cetera. But they saw something that in the future would be more widely accessible and they took advantage of that moment. This is that moment with NFTs. Right now, it is very challenging, complex to engage with crypto with blockchain enabled technologies if you want to buy an nft you've got to first in in most every circumstance you've got to first convert your dollar over to some sort of cryptocurrency and then in order to get your dollar over to some sort of cryptocurrency you've got to use some sort of exchange whether that be something as simple as like a coinbase whether it be something as a little bit more complex maybe just a little bit more complex than coinbase but something like metamask is which is really not designed as fluently in my opinion as something like coinbase but it can be done people do it every day but i do not recommend it for a newbie I recommend something like a Coinbase because it's just it's designed for the beginner. And so there are ways of designing software that enables more people to get in the game. And these include accessibility, trust, transparency, design, colors, font choices, navigability and more. And the less I have to read an instruction manual or pull up a YouTube video to learn how to work it, the more likely I am to engage in it. It's just a fact. People want it to be easier. This is something people like Steve Jobs understood. If you're old enough, you'll remember that there was a lot of discussion about iPads when they first came out. And because they were the first among, you know, a sea of hardware technologies that you could buy that didn't come with a paper manual. If you remember the iPads and they still don't, they still don't come with, you know, paper manual. They were actually designed in, in a way that you shouldn't need a manual in order to operate it in the way that it was intended. They worked it out so you can take all the guesswork and confusion out of the iPad's functionality. So as soon as you powered it on, you knew how to work it. You know how to get the most out of it. And today, so far, in, NFTs don't work so simply. You know, playing in this game, digital asset ownership, you know, there's a learning curve. What too many of us do 
However, when we approach things that are complex or require effort is bow out. We throw our hands up. What I'm trying to do today is get you to not do that this time to convince you that this is a moment in time regarding the potential impact of NFTs. This is a rare one, both from a producer's and a consumer standpoint. Games changed. The game has been changed and consumers can now get access to digital art and more um, way more than just digital art. But that's another conversation for another day and reap the benefits of that ownership as well as the creator. They can reap the benefits of their production and in perpetuity. It's not just you sold it and now you're out of the game. Now you can produce something sell it and every time the next person sells it again you get a royalty back that's possible these days with an nft so you can imagine if you're savvy what that might mean for people who produce music or people who produce visual art or people who produce you know spoken word or people who produce audio or people i mean a whole lot of things there's implications here for all of you artists or just producers at large you know, one of my favorite books, um, and it has been for at least five or six years, has been Ready Player One. And um, I learned something about myself some time ago, quite possibly around the same time. Um, Amazon bought Audible that I mostly enjoy reading or listening to near future science fiction. And by that, I mean, I do not get into aliens. I don't enjoy stories about space travel by and large. And I have no interest in dragons and things like that. What I'm most interested in is near future science fiction. And these are stories that are set for the most part, no more than like 20, 30, sometimes 40. That can be reaching a little bit. 20, 30 years out. And these stories rely on um, at least the good ones, in my view, an arc that is reasonably foreseeable based on our present day technological advancement trajectory and so if you look at what we have today technology wise consider what we had 10 years ago technology wise if you were to kind of like plot that on a chart with the advancements made over a 10-year period and then like you continue that path out into the future like 10 another 10 20 years you can imagine where we'd be so that's like my definition of near future science fiction. The books I'm interested in reading are just slightly dystopian. Like the government has probably been overthrown in these books and a new order is in place. Like we likely have more strongly monopolistic companies. Like imagine if like Amazon was where everybody worked and we all worked there and we also had Amazon is like our only outlet, the only major outlet for like anything you needed. You had to get it from the same place you worked and and you lived at the Amazon plant. Like you lived there, you ate there, you worked there, like your life was at Amazon. Like imagine that kind of like thing. So like that's kind of crazy. It's probably not likely, but it is it could happen. Like that's the kind of stuff that I like to read, like a wild future, but one that isn't like unreasonable or fantastic. That makes sense. I hope it does. It makes sense to me.
State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the One Million Black Businesses Initiative. The One Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale one million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The one million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the One Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Um, so before you continue this episode, I will say I must tell you that this story, this episode does contain spoilers, particularly about Ready Player One. So if you've not seen Ready Player One or read the book, I'm going to be talking about it. So just a heads up for you. So Ready Player One, um, it's a book that helped me understand my book reading or listening interest. So I didn't know I was super interested in science fiction until I read it. And what immediately caught me about this book was that there was a story inside of the story. If you're paying attention, like one of those stories was more fully fleshed out in the book. And that was the world inside the metaverse, the world where you could be dirt poor in the analog world, the quote unquote real world, 
where we, you know, we where we are. Uh, but it didn't matter if in the digital world you had more stuff, more means, more assets than others. Digital assets. I mean, whether that be like weapons and ammo or like dope virtual cars or like a crazy house in the metaverse or your avatar was super good looking. Like all of these things matter so much more than their physical representation in the real world. So in the real world, you could have a decent place to live, but it isn't. But it didn't matter as much as if you had like a crazy mansion in the virtual world. You would trade your real world circumstances for a better virtual world circumstances. That's the world of Ready Player One. And it does strike me as interesting because these were the days before like Fortnite. When I read this book, like there was no Fortnite. And when I read this book, there was like no Roblox, um, which are like new phenomena. And so the that the world would ultimately be this way was not, at least to me, a foregone conclusion when I was introduced to the book. And it certainly still isn't a foregone conclusion to many other people. There's still people who don't believe or don't want or don't wish that world to come. But I'm it, it's happening in so many ways. It's already here. But we'll, we'll talk about that. And so it's you who I want to, you know, kind of have this conversation with in this episode. Those who are still trying to figure out what implications NFTs will have on their lives and like on a daily basis, not like just, you know, a virtual art gallery but like what will nfts mean to your life and those who are anti you know you're just against the world moving in this direction like i want to talk to you in this episode because i think that we can have a really cool conversation so i don't know if i'm in the mind of trying to persuade you on this episode but what i'm just trying to do is to just point out a few things and things that at least in my mind are like undeniable and those are one we're increasingly dependent on the digital to have a relatively good quality of life at least by mainstream definitions we're increasingly living digital lives our businesses are virtual we meet with clients and partners face to face via the internet you know via internet connection or we spend alternative currencies for goods and services we build our brands on social media technology and um at some point hint hint present day people will want to own things like i will want to have ownership in the digital world so it's really it's really hard to have a genuine conversation about the merits of those concepts if we can't agree that they're valid so our lives are becoming increasingly dependent on digital things and so much so like if you think about these things that if if our lives are becoming more digital and i can only today own things in the analog world why not can i own anything in the digital world how can i gain some sort of power and authority over how my experience in the digital world operates like how how can i you know start to level up how can i get promoted how can i gain authority over community how can i what can i do to increase my standing in the world 
These things are possible now. And you got to think about that. We don't have autonomy over our virtual lives via social media. Like we don't own it. If you want to engage on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever, they can take you down tomorrow because they don't like what you publish. And so how do you gain autonomy? How do you gain ownership of your experience and what you put out in the world? You used to couldn't do that a couple of years ago. You couldn't do that. You couldn't own it. You had to play by the rules of the platform. That's changing. So honestly, I want to spend like 15 to 20 minutes just kind of giving a very high level overview of um, the state of our community. When you think about things like NFTs, you think about things like smart contracts, you think about things like DAOs, you think about things like cryptocurrency. And so what I want to do today is because I number one, because I don't believe I can go deeply talking about NFTs and we don't have an appreciation for the entirety or, or at least a, a good appreciation, a decent appreciation of the implications of the blockchain. And all of these things I just mentioned, smart contracts, NFTs, DAOs, cryptocurrency are all enabled, are all possible because of the blockchain. And so what I want to do today is begin an intelligent conversation about what an NFT is, the steps you can take for purchasing your first NFT, which sadly is not yet today super simple, like many of us, of us would have it. Um, and why now is it time for you to find your way in, no matter how confusing it might be present day. So let's start there. Um, so first, what is an NFT? I've talked about this in a previous episode called how to mint your first NFT, but an NFT is a non fungible token. Fungible means you can trade it for something like, and it doesn't matter. So think about it like this. If I give you a $5 bill and you give me five ones, we got the same thing. It's, it's interchangeable. Um, you can give me any five ones inside the stack of $1 bills. It doesn't matter. It's $5. But if I have the Mona Lisa and you have Kahende Wiley's Memling and we try to trade that you, you can't really do that. It's not equal. No matter what you do, it's not equal because it's different. It's not interchangeable. We have two different things. If we decide to swap hands, and this concept should not this, this is not a trick concept. So this shouldn't be super hard. So we understand that there are some things you can trade with somebody else with and they be pretty much the exact same thing. So you ever ask somebody, you got a $20 bill and you like, hey, you know, can anybody break this 20? Somebody comes to you with five ones, a $5 bill and a 10 and you still got $20, but you got it broken down into pieces, but you still got $20. That's fungible trading a piece of art for another piece of art or trading a piece of art for dollars or trading a piece of art for Litecoin. That's non fungible. Like you, you're getting something different in exchange. They're not the same. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at black tech green money. State farm insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. 
They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. So so why does it matter at all? So if you think about this, like if you know, like let's say you have any nieces and nephews or you have young kids, you know, if you think about and they let, let's say they play Roblox or they play Fortnite. If you think about this and I said the same thing in um, uh, how to mention first NFT. I have young children and. I would bet they would struggle if you said here's a hundred dollars in cash or a hundred dollars in Robux or V bucks. They would struggle with deciding which is more valuable to them. That's the world we're walking into. It is just as almost almost just as important to them to have status in a virtual world to stunt in a virtual world than it does in a real world in real life status matters which is why almost why we collect anything and want to show it off it gives us status it's in our dna and so that is inherently moving to a digital landscape where more and more of us are spending our time and we I talked about the key principles here. If we can't have a conversation about are we living more and more digital lives? Are we relying on the digital things more and more to enable to us to move in the digital world? Therefore, if that's true. We want to have status in that world. 
And that's the world we're coming to. It's the world our kids are already in. So with that, getting to the place where you can purchase your first NFT, you've got to first convert your dollars, your U.S. dollars to some sort of cryptocurrency. And typically, um, by and large, these work on the Ethereum blockchain. So you want to convert your U.S. dollars to Ethereum and you can do that. And we'll let's just talk about Coinbase because it's the easiest one to use. You can use others. There are many others, but Coinbase, in my experience, is the easiest to use. MetaMask is also one that is widely popular. Coinbase, we'll just stick with that for the sake of this conversation. We can talk about MetaMask in a different um, in a different episode because maybe we'll have a, uh, um, a, an episode about wallets and exchanges. Coinbase is just most widely used. So let's say you go, you download Coinbase on your phone. Um, you sign up for an account and you you connect your bank account to it. You connect a debit card to it and you say, I want to buy. And I'm, I'm not even looking at exchange rates right now, but let's just say for simple math purposes, I want to buy one Ethereum. And last I look, cause I have a bunch of, I have, I have Ethereum, um, but I have, I don't watch it. But I have Ethereum. And so let's just say the last I looked, it was like, you know, four thousand dollars for one ETH. I heard there's some volatility in the market right now, but different conversation for another day. But let's say um, just for simple math purposes, let's say one dollar to one thousand one thousand dollars in U.S. dollars gets you one ETH. So one thousand to one. That's not correct. I'm sure that's not correct because goodness gracious. But $1,000 will buy you one ETH. And then I want to go buy um, an NFT. So I've now have, I've exchanged my $1,000 for one Ethereum token. What I'm then going to do is sign up for an account on something like OpenSea, which is one of the biggest platforms. So think of it, think of it like Amazon for NFTs. Think of it like, like eBay for NFTs. So if I've got a digital art I've you know produced, I can go to OpenSea and I can put my digital art, my song, my JPEG, my ping, my PNG file, my GIF, my you know raster, whatever that raster file is. I can produce. I can I can publish um, my digital art to OpenSea and put it on the marketplace. So. You know, somebody else, Sally in Utah can buy it if she likes it. So I'm going to connect my wallet. This is where it starts to get tricky because I mentioned this. I told you we have a conversation about complex things today. You cannot let the complexity of doing this get you out of the game because just because you bought. One thousand dollars worth of Ethereum which is one ETH in our world, the exchange rate. I don't know what it is right now, but it could be more. I'm sure it's more. It was like $4,000 the last time I looked. You, you went and bought one ETH, took you $1,000 to buy it. Well, your Ethereum is still not yet in a place where you can actually make transactions with it. If, if you bought it on Coinbase.com, if you bought it on the Coinbase app, you have to move it over to your wallet and that costs minor fees. Minor fees are 
fees that are paid to people who mine cryptocurrency validate transactions all over the world. They get incentivized to do this and to verify, to keep the blockchain honest. They do this for those fees. So they put computer power to work in order to earn cryptocurrency. So you've paid one, some sort of fee to buy the cryptocurrency, buy the Ethereum from the coinbase.com or the coinbase app. And then you're paying again to move your money from the coinbase.com site or the coinbase app over to a coinbase wallet, which enables you to be able to make transactions with your currency, your cryptocurrency, your Ethereum. Now, the cool thing about once you've downloaded both the Coinbase app and the Coinbase wallet, it's very simple to move the money between the two. Now, you're going to pay to move the money between the two, but it's very simple to do. It's like a one button, you know, buy, transfer, whatever. Um, and then once you have moved your money into the wallet, you're using that wallet to sign in. It's like login credentials to things like OpenSea. So let's say you're going to Facebook and you're trying to sign into Facebook using an email address, a password, signing up for a username, all of these things. Well, in the world of crypto, like your wallet is getting you access. So you don't have to go through all the processes of, you know, confirming via email, adding an email address, all of these different things. Those days are done when you think about the world that we're moving into, particularly when they involve interfacing with the blockchain. You're using your wallet to get access. Your wallet is your key. So you're going to OpenSea.io and you're looking for the login button and the login button. Instead of asking you for, again, a, a username, password, whatever email address is asking you for your wallet. Which wallet are you using? And in this example, we're using a Coinbase wallet. So once you've signed up for Coinbase, you moved your money over to the Coinbase wallet. Your wallet now is your access into OpenSea and your your all of your credentials are already stored in your wallet. So who you are is stored in your wallet. Your your profile picture is stored in your wallet. Like all of who you are is your wallet. So you're not having to sign up in this long, arduous process. It's all stored in your wallet. So you, you connect your wallet to OpenSea. Um, and then once you've connected your wallet, now you are in a position to be able to purchase things. Again, every time you interface with the blockchain, you're paying because you're putting a record on the ledger that computers all around the world have to verify, validate and ensure are secure. So every time you go to buy, sell an NFT or whatever, you're paying a fee. And so this is important. This is an important distinction to make with regards to buying something at a store where there's hidden fees. There's things like actual gas to get to the store. There's things like your time spent, you know, traveling from your home to the store and you're instead paying gas fees, proverbial gas fees, which are like in the form of like minor fees to validate the transaction on the blockchain. This all sounds very complex, at least it does to me explaining it. It was to me the first time I did it. 
And hopefully it is not so complex. And my job here today is to at least give you a primer on what you can expect when you go do this using this step by step to make sure you understand that this is not the world that you're used to living in. This is a different world. And this world is going to leave a lot of people out who are against learning something new. I don't want that to be you. I want us to be continual learners, continual people who are open to, you know, being new at something. You haven't been new at something in a long time. I'm going to be honest. The first time I did this, when I, when I did this for the absolute first time, trying to connect my, my Coinbase.com, the app to the wallet, and then the wallet to um, OpenSea and all these, it took me about an hour or two just to figure out why. And it wasn't an hour or two of actually trying to figure things out. It was an hour or two of trying to figure out, am I doing it right? Because I'm paying for everything that I'm doing. And so I got to be doing something wrong. And so it was like, I'm okay. I'm like, should I be paying again? That's what I was concerned with, which is why it took so long. But yes, every time you interface with the blockchain, you're paying because you have to validate that transaction. The system has the blockchain has to be validated by people who run a gazillion computers all over the world. And that, you know, that stuff costs money to do that. Lights got to stay on. So because this is still as complex as it is, we're not yet at a moment where there's mass adoption. But that's where the opportunity is. It's already a lot of hype around certain NFT projects like V friends or crypto punks, which drives up the cost of them. But imagine when having a crypto wallet is as ubiquitous as having a debit card or as having an account on Instagram. That day is coming when it does. It'll be even harder to break through the noise and get attention for your project to buy a project at a price you can manage or otherwise. This is a moment where you were doing the homework Having the patience and spending the time can reap huge rewards. Will it be impossible a year from now, two years from now? No, but it will be harder because even more people will be in. The thing about NFTs, just like it was with Instagram, TikTok, you know, Twitter and more is the early adopters get rewarded. The earlier you are in on the project, the earlier you believe in an artist, the earlier you put your tokens to work, the more opportunity you can take advantage of, the more upside you have the potential for. Green Money is a production of Blavity Afrotech on the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartMedia. It's produced by Morgan DeBon and me, Will Lucas, with additional production support by Love Beach and Marissa Lewis. Special thank you to Micah Davis, Jermaine Hall, and Sakara Zavanyan. You know, like the wine? Yes, that's his real name. Learn more about this topic, other tech disruptors and innovators, and more at afrotech.com. Enjoying Black Tech Green Money? Leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. Go get your money. Peace and love.
Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Got my PrevNAR 20 shot. It's a pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine. For us wise folks, it helps protect. I'm 19, strong. And asthmatic and at higher risk. Get vaccinated, but, but nothing when grandma speaks. Grandson listens. 19 or older with chronic conditions like asthma, diabetes, or chronic heart disease, or 65 plus, you may be at higher risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Prevnar 20 can help protect you with just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't give Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine. Side effects include pain and swelling at the injection site, fatigue, headache, muscle, and joint pain. For full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20, even if you've already received another pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine.